You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to this week's edition of Pathway to Peace, a live show which takes an analytical look at the current issues and trends affecting us all, trying to find those much-needed answers to attain political peace, economic peace, social peace and inner peace. My name is Nasser Sajjad and I'm your host for today's programme. And joining me in the studio is fellow, fellow Pathway to Peace presenter Asif Ashraf. Peace be with you. In this show, we will continue where we left on the last show, and that was looking at the 10 conditions of Bayat. You may have heard them just now at the beginning of the show, and um, this is something that we are expected to adhere to and make up the Pledge of Allegiance and how these conditions how affect our everyday lives in relation to current issues as well. Uh, I won't go into the history uh, of the pledge, uh, but you can read about it on our parent website at www.alislam.org. However, just as a reminder, to give a brief background in case you were unaware, we are Amdi Muslims. We have accepted the promised Messiah and the reformer of latter days as predicted in Islam by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. The promised Messiah's name is Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him, and came from Qadian, India. He is not just the promised reformer that Muslims are waiting for, but also the reformer, messiah, messenger that the various other religions are awaiting. You can read a full history again on our parent website. A part of this, ex- a part of this acceptance of the promised messiah is taking a pledge of allegiance that contains t- t- 10 conditions which anyone who accepts the promised messiah and declares themselves to be an Amdi must abide by. We covered the five of these in the last uh, show. And we also discussed the concept of the Pledge of Allegiance. And you can listen to that last show if you want, uh, if you check out SoundCloud, or you can go to the Voice of Islam website, which is www.voiceofislam.co.uk. And you can also tweet us uh, at Voice of Islam. I will, um, you heard the 10 conditions at the beginning. Asif, welcome to the show again. Uh, did you want to cover those first five in any way? Yeah, I think, obviously, the reason why we I decided or we decided to do go, go into the show and look at the 10 conditions about because I think there's a lot of crossover when we look at personal development in these conditions of birth, right? So the idea is that though they're in a, they're in a pledge of allegiance to the community that we belong to, mm. we discussed last time that allegi- those pledges were quite consistent in the early days of Islam. They were requested on a number of occasions um, and it's obviously documented that that was, that was the case. And so those pledges of allegiance are there and they're nothing new in terms of what is offered in Islam. So there's nothing new there. But what is interesting is that those pledges are effectively like commitments, right? There are responsibilities and their commitments, but they're commitments to change. And while they're quite, quite um, comprehensive in many ways, we'll cover that, we'll cover the, the, the range of them. It's very important to understand is also that they're also quite a challenging bunch of commitments. So they are part of a personal development process. And I think that's really where, where it comes into play. Where There are crossovers to what we see as normal kind of uh, personal development programs out there. And there was a lot of that within this partic- these particular 10 commitments. And I think that's really the idea of how we look at these things and look at it as a form of personal development as well. Because, you know, when you... When somebody becomes an Amity Muslim in this regards, they they commit to these 10. But in reality, to be able to hit the ground running with all those 10, it's challenging. So it's not like as though you have to be perfect from the day one. It's a case of it, these are, this is the outline of the framework in which you work to develop and, and progress yourself as well. Yeah, it sets an expectation, right? Um, you know, we've... We were mentioning in the show last week, and we actually did a show on 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 the, on the pillars of Islam, yeah. and uh, how we convert, and how it's a very simple process, and how this allegiance, this pledge of allegiance, fits into that. And um, you know, I think you, you summed up nicely actually in saying that this is kind of like a development process. It actually focuses you more towards um, being a better person overall. You know, yeah, we're supposed to um, abide by them as as uh, Amadi Muslims. Uh, but again, these are there not as a blockage or not as something to restrict you. It kind of aids you and guides you towards, you know, fulfilling the rights that you have as a Muslim. Uh, so I think in that is, is an important part of that, that pledge. But also, like I saying, the, the crossover is even in other people's personal development life. It, there are a lot of crossovers there. All commitments, all kind of areas where you have to look at improvement are Essentially, you could say they're they're enforcing upon you 
a level of commitment, a level of kind of responsibility that you need to take on board. But without those restrictions, without those responsibilities, you're not going to improve. If you have a there's a fair approach, you can do what you want. Yeah, that's not going to make you any better. It's right. not going to improve you, right? So those those things are there for for a particular reason to improve you, to to better yourself in, and to commit yourself to these things. So I think that's really really interesting. What's also really interesting about the ten conditions is that they flow in a particular order. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting about the way that, that it's structured. It's Obviously, we talked about in the last episode that we did when we covered the first five. The first and foremost, all of all of this, and certainly as, as a Muslim, is to have this commitment to to one God and not to actually associate any partners with that God. Yeah. And so that, that whole idea of that focal focal point of of centering yourself in the idea that you're now this kind of you have this strong bond and this relationship with God. That's the most kind of important. Yeah aspect and that anything else alongside you or that sort of inhibits that it's kind of like letting that letting something else almost stand between you and your god so you know whether it's a distraction whether it's your work whether it's whatever you are letting those things come in the way of 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 your responsibility your commitment to god so that really fundamentally is crucial to this idea that you have this you know pure belief that there's none worthy of worship, but there's one God, and you don't let anything else stand on on parity with them. And that's such an important concept yeah. within Islam. It's you know, like you said, you're talking about the order of things. For that to be the first one, of course. you know, it, it kind of makes it it kind of sets the tone. All religions, right? Yeah. When they've existed, and the Ahmadi Muslim community and Islam itself always believes that there's been thousands of prophets and so yeah. forth, and they've all tried to establish this concept of one God. The of unity one, of God, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, unity, one God, right? So ultimately, in time and stuff, that gets eroded, doesn't it? Because yeah. religions don't always follow a linear pattern and it gets kind of mixed up and stuff yeah. and, and, and changed and so forth. So all, all over time, things haven't always been uniform and so forth. So yeah. in this regard, you know, this fundamental first foremost aspect of things is to remind us all that the unity of God is there, but also this whole idea that there isn't anything to that should be standing or on parity or in any way coming in in the same vein as a God. So you don't yeah. worship anything else. That's including things like celebrities and personalities and so exactly. Forth. And we covered that right. in the last show. Yeah. yeah, we said that when it comes to shirk or associating partners, yeah. it's not simply saying you see another pray to another God or you know whatever or idol worship or something yeah. that which we don't adhere to in any way. But it's also those things you may not recognize as associating yep. a partner with, or which is kind of celebrity culture, which is you know, money or, you know, material fame, things, fame, you know, cars, yeah, whatever, right? so things you put on, you know, things that keep you away from from your from, from just just getting on with yeah, worshiping God, right? Exactly. Or recognizing God. And so. Yeah. So I think the second one we, we was this whole idea. And I think it's really interesting. The second one is this idea of you keeping yourself away from falsehood, cruelty, adultery, dishonesty, disorder rebellion, all of that kind of stuff. In essence, it's this whole framework of saying, stop doing bad things. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just stop doing it. Yeah. Stay away from that stuff. Right? And it's funny, the way it's, it's it's written, you'd almost think, I wouldn't do that stuff anyway, but it's so prevalent I mean, in you, society. Exactly. So, that when suddenly when you see it written in front of you, hang on, you know, and really think about it, you think, hang on, there's this you could call as force of cruelty, you know, this is the thing, adultery. You know, these things are almost becoming legitimized in a way. Well, the, so the difference you know, here is is that you know, it, with religion, with Islam, with and whatever mm. religion, so there's an accountability aspect, right. right? You are accountable to your Creator. So if you're recognizing your God, you're worshiping God, you're accountable to. Yeah. So all of these things you can do in secret, right? You can do adultery in secret. You can be, you know, create falsehoods. You be yeah. cruel. It can be done in secret, right? You you have this option to be um, to, to to avoid any of these sort of things, right? Yep. So you can do things but in, in a veil, behind yeah, a veil, whatever. Right. And, and this whole idea of, of, of you have to then, when you're faced with these situations, you have to be able to turn around and say, I'm not doing that. I know that's wrong. That's false. Yeah. It could be even, you know, like a falsifying a tax or something like that. Yeah. That's still false. You, you still have to question whether that's... How big, how small, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, as long as it's not going to do any harm to anybody, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. As long, if it falls into that category of being, you know, creating falsehood or deceit or, or, or being cruel, because all, all of those things can lead you to right. other things. You let one thing happen... It, it gives I mean, they're all you connected, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you look at them, fraud, falsehood, cruelty, adultery, dishonesty, it's all connected. 
in or, some can, respect, or can be connected. Can be connected, yeah. yes. I don't think they're, yeah, there can be situations yeah. where all of them fall into the same, right. to the bucket. Well, I won't think about what the analogy is, but there can be situations like that. Yeah. But, so the third one that comes along yeah. is, and it's quite interesting, is that it's about prayer and prayer in, in Islam. That seems almost, um, okay, I'm a Muslim, that's obvious. Yeah, but it's yeah. also, but if you translate that concept into what we might see as part of the wider world's view yeah. of, of personal development, right? Yeah. So a lot of that is about, I, you know, there might be certain steps in personal development programs that know yourself or, yeah. or, or have your inner peace or look for all of those kind of moments and stuff. You can get all of those things, through, say, that you get from meditation, from, from mindfulness and all of these other kind of things. You get them from prayer. Yeah. But with an added bonus and that you're actually actually building the relationship you have with God at the same time, right? So all of those things are there. And I think that's really one of the nice features about it. It comes, it does come third on the list. And, you know, I would have thought it comes second on the list, right? Because right. it, it's so important that you believe in God and then you have this thing. But it's no point in doing prayers if you're still being, you know, cruel and, and deceitful yeah, and so right. forth. Yeah, yeah. You can't do those things. So they have to go hand in hand. If you're going to the prayer mat, you've got to go there in a, in a in a kind of clean way, right? Yeah. So you know, obviously, even with you know part of prayer is also you have ablution. Mm. The other thing interesting about prayer is that you know in personal development programs they will also talk about this whole idea of taking yourself out of your comfort zone and and mm. extending yourself. So, so prayer actually does that. One, you have five levels of you know five daily prayers, right? You also have prayers in the evening and, and in the morning, the early hours of the morning, right? So even with the prayers, you have to get out of your comfort zone, get out of bed, in some cases go and, and you know, in cold weather as well, you know, get yourself and ready for, to, to pray, right? Yeah. You are making yourself saying, I'm doing this for my creator. That's right, yeah. Right? And, and that's a wonderful kind of, uh, of, of of personal development aspect of things as well, is that not only is it a bond, not only is it about, you know, your your peace inside you, but it's also about taking out of your comfort zone and extending yourself in some respects. And, and it's about a little bit of bravery, I guess, in that sense as well. Oh, yeah. So I, I mean, there's a, there'll be that sense of achievement. If, you know, you've if you've recently become Muslim, if you are Muslim and haven't been yeah. following that command, if you're suddenly getting up in the morning and you're doing that, there's no way. I, I kind of, I've always kind of equated that morning whilst as going to the gym. Like, it's one of those things, no matter how hard it is to do it, once you've done it, you'll never regret it. You'll be happy yeah. you did it. And, and you come out of it with a sense of achievement. And, and how many personal development programs say, get up early in the morning? Yeah, you right. Know, you know, how yeah. many of them say that, you know, 5 a.m. type stuff, you know, yeah. you know, whatever those things. So that that is that is also part of it. So it comes into this idea of getting up in the morning, you know, and and, and focusing first and foremost on God, right? Yeah. And then setting yourself, your mind, and everything in the right way to go forward with the day. And and your prayers also then break up your day into different sort of time frames. And so yeah. therefore, you're never then going to be. You Can organize your day basically. Yeah, and you're yeah. not going to be always going to be diverted away into the worldly world affairs and, and never come back to, to your prayers, right? So it centers you again to this idea of your, your creator and, and that wonderful centering is, is quite a peaceful aspect of things. So anyway, we won't spend too much time on that one, yeah. but we'll also cover the fourth one. The fourth one was about um, shall not afflict harm or injury on God's creatures, right? So this is actually, uh, and it also covers the idea of your environment as well. So it's yeah. actually an really encompassing idea of saying, now you're not doing any harm to yourself, you're praying, you recognize your God, those are important. So it's very insular at that point. Now you're saying, right, to you're not going to be inflicting harm to anybody, you, you God's creatures. That could be a cat, that could be, you know, a, a, an insect, or it could be any of those sort of things. Right. It could be people. And it's and the interesting thing is about it is very much also said about um, the way it's also described. It's not about just physical uh, cruelty or, or infliction. It's also about what you might do with your with your tongue. Right? That's right. Right. So that's an interesting thing where, you know, remember when you were kids and say, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones and words never hurt me. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. So, but reality is, we we you know you have to realize words, that words hurt. do hurt. Right. Yeah. It can hurt. Right. And, and and your actions as well can be similarly. Um, you have to then remember other people yeah. so this is now taking you out of your own way and and thinking of others yeah and acting responsibly to others and other things and other that are coexist around you so this is now creating an idea about you about a responsibility 
to those things around you, right? So that's really kind of fundamental, fundamentally quite important to to how um, you know how you shape yourself as well, and yep. that you, you give yourself another kind of key responsibility to to adhere to. I know people probably do that, right? Yeah. People don't want to do harm to others, right? And that's that's key, and that stays within the, the sort of confines of what we we see as as Islam. And again, you know, that idea of not inflicting harm to anybody else. It's also this idea that you know you could do these things and not think. That it's yeah. harming, but it, you, know, you have to give your thought to whether it does harm or not, and and be fair on that side of things. So the fifth one was that he would bear every hardship for the sake of Allah. Again, it's a bit give, of steadfastness, right? Right, so, exactly. So again, make a, uh, giving you a focus, uh, being ready to um, you know face difficulty in a in a positive way, almost. You know that you're doing it for Allah. So you know whatever difficulties you're facing. Uh, you know, you're doing it with a purpose, but it's also forewarning you in a way that right. these things will happen, right? Okay. And, yeah. And look, you know, when these things do happen, difficult times do happen. That's when you need to show your resilience. And resilience, again, is a very strong aspect of of having uh, in personal development. This whole idea of of being persistent, being being resilient, being able to take the hard knocks and blows and that come along the way so you know that's another kind of mantra that comes along along the way and i think that's really one of the key aspects of things and that even in religion and predominantly in religion it's easy to to want to sort of stop or give up or whatever and to feel as though you've been let down to some extent as well and that's when you need to turn around and say no i'm sticking to this and i know it's right and i'm in some respect you have to understand you may well be tested as well, and so so far you you you've got to the point now you're being warned, but you know you might be tested. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, and be you know stand your ground, stand you know stand strong in that yeah. area of things, and that everything will also be okay at the end of the day. And I think you know Islam's always talked about in, in the Quran about not burdening you beyond your capabilities, right? right? So you know the Quran talks about that sort of idea of things, yeah. and these things will say that you know. And we'll, it also does it actually it says you know prepare yourself once you go down the path of uh, following God, you're going to be tested with hardships. Yeah. So you know, again, like you said, it's preparing you. And um, in that sense, you know, it's, it's you know, it, it's character building. Definitely, definitely straight out. OK, let's move on to the focus of this week's show then, right? Which is uh, starting off from number six. And number six is that, that uh, he or she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit him or herself to the authority of the Holy Quran and shall make the word of God and the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be and blessings of Allah be upon him, the guiding principle in every walk of his or her life. This one, and I've referred a lot to a book by um, the current head of the Ahmadiyya community, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, and he's written a book uh, called The Conditions of Bad, and, uh, or it's called The uh, Conditions of Bad and the Responsibilities of an Amni. Yeah. Okay? And this... In- this this uh, condition that I just read uh, is something that's also important. It's actually prevalent in in the first uh, chapter of of the Holy Quran in the Surah Fatiha, chapter one, where we're told to be where we're asking to be guided on the right path. And in that sense, we want to be moving away from these un-Islamic customs. And this is something, you know, which Muslims may say, okay, yeah, right, it will keep us focused, but it's also Things outside of the Islamic fold that we're yeah. talking about as well, isn't it? That uh, we're saying we keep away from these customs. I kind of, when I look at this one, I think it's really interesting in the sense that you, religions have always come and gone, right? So we have these religions, we have these prophets over time and so forth, right? And always one of the things is that you get um, the, the whole idea of things being changed or, or confusion or issues coming up and, and right. those religions being kind of. Uh, diluted or, or in some respects from their true sense right They're diverting away from their origins and stuff so one of the key things about this particular thing is that we want to stop the way of people diverting away from their faith right so in some respects you have to be you have to have a guiding principle in terms of what you want to do yeah and i think what, what this particular principle is really trying to address is that we've got guidance you've got a rule book You've got the Holy Quran. You've got the 
sayings and, and teachings of, of of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, right? Mm. And you can even you know you've also got references you can of the Bible. The Bible's not exactly um, omitted. You know, it's still there. It's a, a book of truth, right? So all of those and the, and the gospel and so forth. So what what it says is that you've got a principle of teachings there for which for you to follow, right? Yeah. Stay. So when you have issues and concerns and yeah, you're talking about a wider issues of what the best way to do certain things, then that's where the book gives you guidance, right? And that's where the teachings give you guidance as well in terms of how you behave. And, you know, the, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he will teach you a lot about how in his life, how he behaved, you know, with his with his wives, with his with people, yep. with how he consulted people, yeah, and, and so forth. It's it's just a whole interesting life story about how you can you can take from his life and 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 see and put it into your own behavior as well. Yeah. Now, how does it fit into the whole kind of moral condition of the world today? Because you know, I think it's important because now these these conditions were written over a hundred years ago, and you know maybe there was a time when certain customs um, were yeah. less acceptable then are more acceptable now, uh, especially when it comes to um, sort of the male-female relationship, when it comes Absolutely. to um, uh, people and the way they're inclined towards other people. Uh, and it's just interesting that, you know, these things, are you're not kind of using this condition, you're, you're protected against them. And maybe it helps, does it help you? in kind of uh, fighting the moral condition of the world today. You know, some people might say, hey, everything's okay. From my opinion, it's not. You know, uh, again, that's just my opinion. But What would you, know. you say, what, what example would you give in that instance? What would you be more specific about? What, just personal to... relationships. You know, okay. let's just say personal relationships. So, you know, if, if uh, you know, there's this idea of, um, you know, uh, having a relationship uh, with uh, a woman outside of marriage. Yeah. Okay. And these think it's, it's become wholly acceptable living with a partner uh, and um, uh, cohabiting, cohabiting, they call it, I guess. And, um, you know, it's, it's perfectly OK. It's to, you know, have children without sure. being married. You know, these are things as Muslims we're saying are fine. But in, in the wider society, it's now OK. You know, it's, it's, we're almost seen as strange for wanting to say, no, we need to. To, to be in a matrimonial relationship. Right, so, exactly. Right, yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah, I think without obviously going into that particular area, right? So mm -hmm. the, the the case here is is that if you were to, to look at that particular issue, mm -hmm. you do need to look at where, where you're going to take your guidance from, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really interesting is that what these conditions or, bet or responsibilities give you is saying, look, for all of those kind of decisions in your life, mm -hmm. whether you're thinking, oh, why do I need to get married? I know cohabiting's okay. Yeah, yeah. Get, so you've got to get to know to your partner for like five years before you even think about marriage. If you are yeah, thinking about marriage, you know that yeah, kind of that, thing. That kind of stuff. So, so the idea then is that how how do you reason those things, right? So, hmm. what it's without sort of going into the specifics, it's about really saying, yeah. Well, look, you've got a rule book here. You've got a, a, the way of the Prophet peace be upon him hmm. to follow, right? And that's your your guidance. That's your reference to go to and say, okay, yeah. I see it. I see the way there, right? And then, you, you know, you, obviously some things need interpreting and so forth, and you can go and discuss those things more specifically. But I like the idea that, you know, you're not going to cover all of your, you know, there's not going to be 10 steps that could cover everything. Within that, you have to say, one of those steps has to send them say, look, for more answers, go and see this, right? Go go here. Yeah. As you, that's, your, that's your point. And I think that's really what this does, right? But the other aspect of it is it's, it, it says very clearly about this whole idea of... Um, directing you away from a kind of like innovations or customs right. that are going to be sort of manipulating your religion right so yeah. you know for example you know might might say well what, what's the harm in doing for example halloween for example right oh, let's right, yeah. yeah, right. so, take that as an example it comes to mind and you say well it's a harmless thing well in effect if that becomes part of your your faith it becomes an innovation that you start to to bring in and then you don't see the contradictions that might happen in that instance. So it's first and foremost saying don't let innovations or, or new customs that might impact your religion come into play there. Be wary of that and have your reference point as your, the Quran and, and the teachings of the, uh, and, and the sayings and the behavior of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which we call the Hadith, right? Yeah. So it gives you that. So in, in, in the wider context of things is very much of saying, well, how does that help you in self-development? Is yeah. that you do need a kind of go-to point 
to to guide you in terms of different decision making. Right. Right. And I think in all respects that maybe in 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 the wider world you may see that as a mentor, right? So the mentor kind of concept is a really interesting one in in the personal development world. And that kind of works with respect to what we have this as this particular condition as well. So I see the the similarities with what the personal development world might say as as a mentor or a, other kind of guides as well com- compared to this particular area where we see it as uh, as idea of having reference of the Quran and the hadith. Okay. Should we move on to number seven? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So number seven, that he, she shall entirely give up pride, vanity, and shall pass all his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, and meekness. Uh, and again, I'll start with a, a quote from the Holy Quran, chapter 13, verse 34. Uh, the design of the disbelievers has been made to appear beautiful in their eyes, and they have been kept back from the right way, and he, he whom Allah lets go astray shall have no guide. Uh, Another one says uh, in chapter 38, verse 3, But those who disbelieve are steeped in false pride and enmity. And uh, the last one I'll I'll quote is chapter 13, uh, verse 38. And it says, Walk not on the earth haughtily, for thou canst not render render the earth, nor canst thou reach the mountains in height. So this one is looking at the whole idea, again, looking at the whole idea of being a proud person, being a proud person. Um, you know, vain, being vain, you know, and instead switching your character to be more uh, humble, as it says, in, in, in their cheerfulness, yeah. it mentions as well. So it's not about letting go of stuff and being sad, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know it says it's places of cheerfulness. Um, uh, so, you know, how, how do we how do we bring that into our life and how does that affect us? Inside? There is there's a lot of stuff which ha- this whole idea of having self-belief and self-confidence. But yeah. a lot of those stuff, a lot of that stuff can be let's say uh, the foundations or, or the roots of those things may not be on on you know on on the areas where you are, are just literally just faking to make it kind of idea yeah, so yeah. you have to have substance to your confidence right, right. and your self belief what it's saying here here fundamentally is that pride is one of those things that is a big um a big problem in many ways right because yeah. what what stops us from you know we were talking about relationships what stops somebody from sticking you know being stubborn about something and the other one sort of having to sort of compromise right yeah you have to have this concept of where stubbornness uh and is, is stuck in pride right and yeah. that is, is a is a root of a problem you know if if we want to ever bring people together or peace in this world and so forth with routine people it, it's got to be done in the sense that where you've got to have you've got to lose the ego you've got to lose your pride you've got to have the ability to step back and say you know i can be the the bigger person or the bigger man, whatever in the instance you want to say, to be able to say, you know, this is it's it's my position is is stuck in pride. I need to give that up to be able to make room to go forward with, and and that to some extent is one of the things around this area, and and also but it's it's also very careful to say that you can um, you know when we talk about vanity for example, uh, vanity is is the fine line between. Uh, trying to be beautiful but but not vain at the same time right yep. and it's that line of, of, of you can you can still aim to be beautiful and so forth and charming and so forth but there's a line between when that tips over to be vain right and the and the root of everything is is humility and humility is is quite a constant uh feature in in islam i think and certainly that that's one of the key things about it it's not we accept that what we achieve is not necessarily by our own doings, is actually by what the, our Creator has given to us. And that recognition of uh, that, that what we have, or what we've achieved, is from you know the, the God Almighty. And that, that actually, ultimately, that uh, concept that takes away your, your ability to, be, have, to be, have an ego, to be self-confident and so forth. You can be confident that Allah will you know, help and guide you, right? Yeah. But you yourself can't turn around and say, I'm going to make this happen. Because that really is saying you know ultimately that god gives you everything right yeah and when you recognize that 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 submission that we have in, in islam is the fundamental background to what we we are as and that's where the humbleness comes in that's where right. humbleness comes in right and it is it strips you from having pride you know even in in our religion we we prostrate yeah and and probably is no other religion probably prostrates like in the religion of islam right and 
there is no pride when you're, you know, face down on the floor yeah. and you're prostrating to your creator, right? right? So in that regards, you're removing that idea of and that physical. It grounds you. Grounds you. You're you physically you, and spiritually. Yeah, exactly. And and who else would you prostrate to other than the creator of yeah, all the worlds? Absolutely. Right? So, in this regard, I think what 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 we take away from this idea is is not having so much I did this, I did that, or I am this, or I am that. It's actually saying, you know, I've been blessed with this. And there's a nice hadith, actually, um, a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. It's uh, quoted actually in that same book, Conditions of Birth and Responsibilities of an Amdi, uh, by the by the head of the Amdiya community. And the hadith says, and it, and it, it says there's three uh, roots of every sin. And uh, it's noted that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that these three roots of every sin, uh, one, should avoid, one should avoid them, uh, refrain from arrogance, because it is due to arrogance that Satan was instigated not to prostrate to Adam. We can talk about that in a bit. Secondly, stay away from greed, as you've just been mentioning, because it is greed that made Adam eat the fruit of the forbidden tree. And third, avoid jealousy, because it was out of jealousy that one of Adam's sons killed his brother. So this uh, is it's really good in that it gives these three, these three sins and what can come out of those sins. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, if you look, if you look at arrogance, it's almost um, become uh, part and parcel of making up a character nowadays to be arrogant in your achievements, I guess, uh, whether it's at work or whether it's, you know, in some kind of uh, position. There's kind of there has to be some kind of arrogance associated with it. But this is telling you to stay away from that because, you know, it, it, it's it. it um, it, well, in the Hadith, it instigated Satan uh, not to prostrate to Adam. Okay, yeah. and and, um, and in that sense, if we were to become arrogant, it could affect our prayers, right? It could affect yeah. everything. You know, suddenly, all of a sudden, when we become arrogant, we can suddenly move away from the other conditions as well. I think the other aspect of it, we, it you know, it talks about meekness as well, which yeah. I think. We never use that kind of word, do we, in the day-to-day -day level? No. And it's that idea of just it almost having... seems weak. It does, and in, 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 it seems in today's in today in today's world, you need to have kind of a sense of uh, pride and not show meekness. It's kind of seen as weakness. It is from the outward, but this whole idea is that you you've got to have people who hold, hold have restraint. Right. And the idea when there's patience and restraint being held. Yeah. That's really a quality. It doesn't come to the fore initially, but I think over time, when people reflect on people's behaviour, they will see that as a as a quality yeah. that people have and a, a great attribute that people have, and and it it generally will yield results because ultimately, if you are you provoke are provoked yeah. into a situation, you, those situations escalate. Right. So me meekness in that sense is someone who can avoid. A situation being escalated and not being provoked in in issues as well, and there's actually strength in that as opposed to weakness, Absolutely, right? Yeah. Because it's, you've got to be strong to be able to do that and to do that well. Yes, you know, because, amazingly, yeah, you yeah. have to, you have to, you know, when people have to bite their lip and and so right. yeah, to do to, to avoid rising to the occasion. Oh right, exactly. And there's um there's a there's an excellent book actually, another book by he was the uh, the uh, second head of the Amdia community. Uh, and His Holiness was Mr. His name was Mr. Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad. He was the son of the Promised Messiah. He was the second Caliph. Uh, we refer to him as Khalifa. Uh, and um, he, he mentions, and I and I brought his book in here. Again, these books can all be downloaded on on our parent website, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, he mentioned, he, and I went through all of them because he had about twelve um, points around this. Uh, he mentions greed, mentions um, intense need, and yeah. bad health. Yeah, I found those two really interesting that you're going to go down this route of bad health uh, because, you know, things that we do in that regard, uh, you know, we could be giving up, you know, it's suddenly, you know, you take up smoking, taking up drugs, whatever. OK, there's this suddenly it affects your health. And we know how it's become well known that how you are physically affects you, not just spiritually, which we we know can happen, but also um, internally inside the body. Absolutely, I think you're, when you talk about overindulgence, essentially right. as well. So you're yeah. talking about people who just let themselves overindulge in what right. they want, and that's going to lead to bad health in some respects. Yeah, and it actually says in that book it goes uh, uh, excessive love, excessive optimism, and that's about just being indulgent, right, and being indulgent, right, which is exactly what you just said. Yeah, and um, you know, and, and I was thinking also in, in regards to this specific condition, the world we live in now. Because uh, we're talking about greed and jealousy, and in a world of consumerism and capitalism, it almost sounds 
the opposite to that. It's almost like a, and it's, it's, it's like an antidote to that. But also, Islam says you know everything in moderation. Ambitions of wealth. Yeah, yeah. everything in moderation, right? right. So, so moderation is a very important part of the, yeah. the Islamic way of doing things. So it's not saying in that respect you can't have you know chocolate cake or something. Right. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, so you can have those. Sort of but that could but affect your health if you have too much of it. Of course, exactly, right? So it's moderation. Right. And if you're diabetic, stay off it, right? Well, so, right. Yeah, right. So it's a case of, of um, you know, managing yourself. In that right, sense. exactly. Let's move on to number eight. Absolutely. Uh, so number eight of the conditions, of the ten conditions, is that he or she shall hold faith, the honour of faith, and the cause of Islam dearer to him or her than his or her life, wealth, honour, children and all other dear ones again if i could I'll, i'm just going to start off with a, a quote from the quran uh, which is in chapter 2 verse 130 it says whoever nay whoever submits himself completely to allah and is the doer of good shall have his reward with his lord no fear shall come upon such neither shall they grieve another quote which is in chapter 98 verse 6 of the holy quran and they were not commanded but to serve allah being sincere to him in obedience and being upright and to observe prayer and pay the zakat. And that is the religion of the people of the right path. So there was a couple of things there because the condition itself talks about holding the faith and the honour of faith and uh, life, wealth, honour and these things. And these quotes talks about fear and standing upright. And I found that really interesting because I think, you know, when you fall into these kind of categories, then suddenly you are affecting your faith and you need to keep away from that and it helps you keep away from that. So, you know, um, about despair, actually, the Holy Quran says, Oh, my sons, go ye, search for Joseph and his brother and despair not of the mercy of Allah, for none despairs of Allah's mercy but the unbelieving people. So when you fall into that and when you're not following that particular condition, then perhaps you're moving away from the path of God. But again, I think this is one that's really interesting because, you know, how do you combine this one with let's say, what personal development right. aspects that happen in the yeah. wider world, right? It's, and it's a tough one to, to draw an analogy with. However, what I would say about this one is, first of all, foremost, it comes right towards the end of the 10 conditions, right? Yeah. So number eight in that regard. Yeah. And it's particularly posed in that position because it's a tough one to do. You know, yeah. if somebody becomes right. a Muslim or an Ahmadi Muslim and they've already subscribed to these things, that particular one, is obviously going to be hard one to say. Well, hang on, I'm going to put this faith above my loved, the loved ones in my life, right? Yeah. And that's really important important to understand that. Obviously, you know, it's it's very much around this idea of how, um, you know, we, we have this whole idea of uh, the prophet Ibrahim sort of sacrificing his son or being put Asked in a to. position yeah. to sacrifice his son. So he's in that instance is is putting himself in a point where he's putting faith over over his son obviously he was asked at that time and it didn't happen and in in, our, in this regard what we're saying here is is that we've got to be um so committed in right. our faith that it has to be to this level that you know you have to if you have push comes to so you have to make a decision on things you have to put faith over those other things so if for example you are in a situation where your loved ones around you don't recognize your faith or don't want you to practice or hold things against you, if, if for this instance, your test is really to say, I need, I need to put faith over the, right. the, 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 the loved ones, right, yeah. in some respects. And the, that's a tough, tough thing to do for some people. I mean, we've, been, we've grown up in our religion, right? Our issues are slightly different in that regards, but there are people who come into the faith and have huge challenges around them in terms of being able to, um, you know, keep their loved ones on board with a new faith as well. And that's a huge challenge. But that's where, where it comes into one of, in play and that you have to be fully committed to, to your faith to make it work. And His Holiness, uh, the head of the Amdiya community, has actually, actually he's, he's kind of encompassed where fear comes into this, uh, comes into this in his book, uh, in that book that I mentioned, Conditions of Bayat and Responsibilities of an Amdi. And he says he should, a person should dedicate himself to faith and be gracious. One should not fear that his wealth and children would be wasted. So you're not wasting all of that by, yeah. you know, holding it, holding faith dearer to you than your, yeah. your world, your material, worldly things. You're actually, um, you know, you're, you're you're raising up your 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 spiritual levels. You're increasing who you are as a person. So you know that's interesting. And the other thing I want to mention here, actually is the controlling of the ego. Now, there's a really good book by the second uh, caliph, the second head of the Amnia community that I mentioned 
uh, earlier on in his book Way of the Seekers. Yeah. And he talked about controlling the ego, not getting rid of your ego, but controlling the ego yeah. and dominating your ego so that you're in, he, he actually in the book, and I haven't got the quote here, but he, 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 uh, he familiarizes it with or is similar to um, like control a horse, having a horse that you, uh, you how you would control a horse, uh, a strong horse. You'd make it lean, fit enough to do the work they need to, but not overburden it and not yeah. make it too weak and that kind of thing. So you have to have a good balance on, on controlling the ego. And he said in his book that you control the ego not by starving, but by learning the art of controlling it. So prevent domination of the ego, as, as, as I mentioned. So, and this is very hard to say, because again, it almost seems that ego is... Having a big ego is is everywhere now. You know when you when you hit a certain level of, you know you, you mentioned social media. Actually, in the last show we mentioned uh, influencer bloat. Yeah. So you know ego. These people have got massive egos, <laughs> and you know, uh, it, it, and it's easy to become uh, think that that is the way to be is to like have this huge ego. But yeah. this is teaching to control that ego. I, I think yeah, it was that's very much I think referencing the. The, the the one of number seven which we were talking about I guess yeah. really but the one that we're referring to was number eight which is I don't know whether you're bring it into number eight or bring it into well it's actually seven. it is part of number eight it's, you're right it's part of those two uh, but I think there is an element of ego that uh, you because when we talk about wealth and honor and children sure and yeah. these kind of things and suddenly you can become egotistic sacrifice yeah yes. the sacrifices you have to make the sacrifice, yeah suddenly those have become yeah. Uh, kind of n not so important uh, as I say uh, yeah. in your faith so you have to control that You and to do that you can say it you can say yeah I hold my faith dare to anything to actually do it is something else I think this one really is interesting also in the sense that it, it's defining you to make sacrifices right? and you've also quoted very much around those sacrifices won't be wasted right mm. and that's one of the things I take away from the quote that you gave and that's kind of an interesting by logic people will see that what you're what what you might be doing for your faith yeah. doesn't necessarily equate to a logical worldly benefit for you. Right, exactly, right? yeah. Right, so... And that's, I think that's the fear now, isn't it? That's where the fear can come in because once you start giving um, precedence to your faith, you're letting go of those material ambitions. Which, logically, people will say, what am I doing, right? Oh, right, and well, they'll say to other people, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know if you have an accountant, but they will say that to me. Right, right yeah. <laughs> So... Um, there is this argument that that by logic it doesn't kind of make sense mm -hmm. in some respects, but the reality is the sacrifices that go with it mm. are are going to be rewarded and returned and so forth. So, yeah. but the key goal here is is that as the the challenges come your way and the propagation of the faith is there as well, you have to hold firm and you have to give that precedent. Otherwise, if you start to lose that, then you undermine what faith is really for you. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the the key goals around keeping it. And I think one one of the hardest things for people, um, I think, you know, Muslims will find this one of the challenging things in their life as well. And it comes towards the end, but and it's also one to of the, the best of people. The best of people. But, so let's move on to number nine. Okay. Okay. And the number nine of the 10 conditions is that he, she, he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only. And shall endeavour to benefit mankind to the best of his or her God-given abilities and powers. And um, again, if I could just start with a quote from the Holy Quran, chapter 5, verse 37. And worship Allah and associate naught with him and show kindness to his parents and to kindred and orphans and the needy and to the neighbour that is a kinsman and the neighbour that is a stranger and the companion by your side and the wayfarer and those whom your right hands possess. Surely Allah loves not those, not the proud and the boastful. It covers a lot of ground that. I do. I think this one's really, really one of the one of the most interesting things for. Yeah, I actually wrote a note here. I've actually got a note here that's got um, because it's about the service of humanity, and I've put no brainer. <laughs> so you know, yeah. well, it it is a little bit of an yeah. interesting thing because we talked about, let's say, personal development, right? These yeah. are your personal development goals, right? Yeah. One of the things that you would say at this point is saying, well, I'm thinking of myself as an individual throughout this process. I'm an individual. But here you are now suggesting what's really quite key is that you are now part of a collective, right. part of a community. Right. And that idea that now what your talents are, what your abilities are, should be and focus on, on the benefit of that, that society, the welfare of those crea creatures, 
and, and, and it says creatures are quite interesting. It doesn't just talk about humanity yep. as mankind or everything. So it's about putting your talents to the benefit of everybody around you. And that's kind of key goal. It's not about wealth accumulation or benefiting yourself alone, right? right. It's about saying what I do has to be done for the betterment of mankind. Right? I can I can do something I could not do any harm to anybody. That's fine. That's great. But now the responsibility is you say, you do something better for society. You know, all of the stuff that people say, you know, um, so pass it this forward. Really, this really is one of those ones that is outside of you as a person, individual. And this is now affects people outside of you. Because this is service to humanity, right? Exactly, right. So it's all society or to all creatures and so all forth. Creatures, yeah. yeah. So it's saying my efforts are now directed towards the better good. Yeah. And and otherwise, if you think about it, how would you grow and improve a society and a community around you? You won't be able to do that just by just by being yourself, right? Make right. yourself better, that's fine. But unless you actually work towards a betterment of society, then you, that, that society is not going to improve. Whether what would be the point of having these conditions if you're not benefiting society, if you're just exactly. for yourself? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's about now taking your skills and your abilities and your even your behavior mm-hmm. that it actually benefits society, whether you, it's how you treat a neighbor or how you behave in, in what work you do or what kind of profession you might take or, or what charity you might do. It's, yeah. it's all about the idea of of benefiting the wider world and, the, and and making society better through that process. And the Prophet Messiah, um, uh, the founder of our community, uh, has said, and peace be upon him, has said, be kind. He said in his book, Kushti um, Noor, which is uh, Noah's Ark, um, be kind and merciful to humanity for all his creatures. Uh, do not oppress them with your tongue, which you mentioned earlier, your hands, in any other way. Always work for the good of mankind. Never unduly assert yourself with pride over others, even those who are placed under you. Never use abusive language or for anyone, even if he abuses you. Be humble in spirit, kind, gentle, forgiving, sympathetic towards all and wish them well so that you may be accepted. If you are big, have mercy on those who are small and not contempt. If you are wise and well-versed in learning, serve the ignorant with words of wisdom. Never desire to bring disgrace on the lack of knowledge by trying to show off your own learning. If you are rich, instead of treating them with self-centered, disdainful pride, you should serve the poor. I want to put that on the T-shirt. That's I, great. I know. I know. As reading that, I'm almost like, wow. <laughs> you know, it's a great quote. Isn't it? It's yeah. a great summary of how you should behave, right? All right. And I, I think it's a great piece of work, right? Because yeah. it does summarize a lot of the, the kind of key points that we've been talking around yeah. in terms of your behavior, your outlook and, and so forth. And I think it's fantastic in that sense. And, and, and in today's world, say something like, um, uh, you know, have mercy on those who are small. And if you are rich, you know, don't show off, you know, yeah. you know if you've got more knowledge, yeah. don't show off your knowledge, yeah. you know, be humble exactly. in that, be yeah. humble in all of that. And that kind of leads back to the other one about being meek, I guess. Yes. So, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, there's so much in that. Uh, that I'm probably gonna listen back to this show and get that again, so <laughs> just so I can hear that <laughs> quote again. All right, and uh, okay, so we've covered nine. We're on to the last one, number ten. Great. Okay, and number ten, the tenth pledge is that he or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood uh, with this humble servant of God. Let's um, clarify who that is. That's the promised Messiah, right? Okay. okay. So uh, and pledging allegiance to me, the promised Messiah in everything good for the sake of Allah and he remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death, that he shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond and is not to be found in any other worldly relationship and connections demanding devoted dutifulness. It also follows through this concept of caliphate right, as right, well. Absolutely. Right? So, so that I'm bond, glad you went on to that actually. Yeah, so that, yeah. that idea of, you know, um, this idea of having a single figurehead mm-hmm. uh, as as your kind of center point of, of guidance as well. So you're not only you're, are you in a position where you're actually devoted to your religion, you're putting your religion first, but when it's asked of you to put it first, it's normally asked of you by a leader and uh, a, and this leader of a khalafat or the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. These are all of the the, the actual leadership aspects of things where you, you, know, you should seek leadership. You should have that kind of grounding and you should have that kind of affinity with it right. and if you have that affinity with it then that roots you closer to to the religion so right. it's actually creating a greater bond between you and your your faith yeah and it's uh, mentioned again in, in the book around the conditions about that the promised messiah uh, peace upon him he said um 
Actually, no, this is not, this is not a quote. This is actually a quote from the actual book, as opposed to the Promised Messiah. But it says, when you have taken the bet and have entered the organization of the Jamaat and the Promised Messiah, you have given everything of yours to the Promised Messiah. You have, you have to obey his decisions. You have to act upon his teachings. Uh, since the system of Khalafat exists after him, this uh, uh, Caliphate, uh, since the system of uh, Caliphate exists after him, you have to follow the decisions and instructions of the Caliph of the time. You should not think uh, that the servant or, uh, to be subordinate has to obey because he is helpless and is obligated to serve. Servants sometimes grumble too. Always keep in mind that although your condition is that of a servant, it is really much higher because it is a bond of brotherhood and acknowledgement of obedience for the sake of Allah, the Almighty, that comes with a pledge of sacrifice. And this is great because you're pledging allegiance, but you're also pledging a brotherhood. There's an equality there. You're serving, you're willing to serve in yes. the capacity in which you've been told by uh, the promised Messiah, but also you're uh, you're associating yourself in brotherhood with him. Absolutely. And that's like really humble. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a <laughs> deep... If you're, when you're, when you're like... It is deep, kind of position, it? Yeah. I, and I guess really also the idea is that with that brotherhood, you achieve stuff, right? Because, yeah. you know, we work in our community, we understand right. that, that brotherhood is such an important part of brotherhood, sisterhood as well. Um, that that without those things, you know, you, you need direction with those with those things. You achieve things with those as well. Yeah. So that creates and creates that roots you to the center of it all. Yeah. So again, this is another way of rooting yourself to your faith as well and, and centering you as much as possible as well. So yes, you have your relationship with your creator, but through through this brotherhood, you can be active, you can be progressive, you can be centered, you can have all of the things that you know keep you in line in yeah. check as well. Yeah. It, it is a it is a part of this process of keeping you in check. And what is strange for people to realize is that the idea of devotion and obedience, it just seems, you know, in the wider world, it's, it goes against the grain. It's almost people. like an example of how to be a leader. You be a leader, have the authority, people should follow that authority, but at the same time, you shouldn't, you know, um, override your authority, you know, and yeah. you use that. So it's, it's almost an example of how to be authority, but it's also, you know, how to be humble in being an authority. I think one thing, just we're probably coming to a point where we wrap up, but I think one of the things yeah. that when we have a khalafat and so forth, and people actually have to obey the khalafat, and when sometimes they go Which to... Which we do, you know, do, that question. And people go for advice and yeah. so forth and, and guidance. It's very sometimes interesting. You, you always hear people have, tell you stories about the advice they've got and how beneficial it's been yeah. and how sometimes it can be against the grain, yeah. but yet it's been so amazing. And I think I've come a few across a few examples of that, but... Probably not for a show like now. Yeah, well, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover it. So, Asif, listen, uh, uh, that brings us to the end of the 10 conditions. Um, And uh, next month there'll be Ramzan. Maybe it's a time to actually try and, you know, put those into practice, you know, put it in in, in a way or help us get into practice. Uh, And, you know, we can maybe perhaps discuss it a little further then. Um, If you you want to uh, contact us, you can do it at the uh, voiceofislam.com uh, website or you can tweet us at voiceofislam.uk if you have you know, any opinions on this show or on any other show. Asif, thanks for everything. Thanks for the help you've given these shows. Uh, it's been good looking at these conditions and let's try our best to live by them. Yep. Yeah. Thank you.